This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let the train! You are listening to Wide truck it is time for your nooner with tuner thank you for joining me it's friday right before the super bowl sure you're all very anxious out here although down in the south it's like much more college focused down here so like the hype isn't nearly as big as it usually was you know when i was back up in boston but that might have something to do with the patriots always being in there not there this year Anyways, newsletter came out yesterday. I don't know if you're a subscriber. What the Truck Newsletter comes out every Thursday. If you are not, join the 14,000 other ones who are subscribed. Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. And in that, I asked the driver community, can you ever be too old to drive a truck? And you know, some cynical guys in the driver community sometimes, but I was a little surprised by the responses. Pleasantly surprised. Trucks Part Inventory says, so long as you can do the job safely, you're never too old. Trucker X said he lasted 24 years and got out. He's 49 now. And like it or not, I may be going back in some capacity, probably just a local hack. Can't get out, man. It's the Roach Motel of uh, Supply Chain. We got Nova here. He said as long as you can pass a DOT physical. Uh, Rob Pedro Peterson, shout out, Robbie. He said uh, never too old. It's an experience for any stage of life. Nathan Lewis says 12. He actually just, he retired himself, so that might be his perspective there. B. Simmons said, as long as you're not jeopardizing the safety of yourself and others, do it. I have a 73-year-old flatbedder that still throws eight-foot tarps, likes to stay out a couple months, then uh, go home a month or two, loves working with this generation, just gets it done and tells me the stories afterwards. Uh, Santino Trucking Goombas is 30. Uh, Yellowstone Super Volcanoes is 24. Ed Mape said, there's no retirement age for truck drivers. Just be safe, and all depends on how much BS you can handle. It's stressful times. Savitore Salinas says, nowadays, anyone is too late to start trucking based on the market conditions. Yeah, if you've looked in sonar, a little rough. But you know what? Those used truck prices are coming down. We talked about that just the other day. Mustafa Zizi from Zoom, he said, I operate a fleet of 40 nationally, and our best driver who ran the cleanest most miles per shift and never missed a day was, in fact, 78 years of old. Uh, of age, never is the answer as long as you're cognitive and your physicality is still there. A little cowbell for that. And then uh, Rooster and Justin, also former drivers, they said over at Back the Truck Up, I started six months ago and I'm having the time of my life. Jeff, age 32, I guess. Uh, this business can age you a little bit. Um, we also put another question out the community. It was fuel point best and worst buys. And it was prompted by this cup that some driver posted and he was debating whether or not to spend his points on this horn. Can you roll that here? I'm not sure if you would grab one. But I put this out there and they said... Um, Carrie says an egg salad sandwich is the worst thing that she got. Probably overpriced these days. Peter said nothing. He likes to use his points towards uh, a CB radio. He's gotten an antenna. He's gotten toy trucks from his kids. And he got his first ever headset using those. Um, back the truck up. Said a roller dog. Tanner DeHart says, can you buy crypto with fuel points? Rob, almost PhD, said peak of COVID, low fuel prices. This is the best thing he got was uh, 90 cents per gallon for premium. 
Ooh, that sounds tasty. Uh, Wes Harmon says he got $315 points on his pilot account. He's fixing to buy a nav system. He's hooking up his whole new truck. So people putting these to good use. And then Justin Martin, this shirt must lovely look lovely on him. Let's take a look at this unicorn shirt he bought for himself in a size 2XL. It's got to look sharp on you, Justin. Wear that to uh, our next Freight Waves event. Couple uh, Super Bowl bets coming up too. Chiefs quarterback Pat Prop bets. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes goes over 1.5 passing touchdowns. You got that one? I'm taking the over. Will Rihanna expose a butt cheek on stage? Yes, minus 300. No, minus 110. Huh. Hmm. I'll go yes. National anthem under 205. Chris Stapleton singing it. I'm going under. And then Jalen Hurts with more rushing yards than the lowest score at the Waste Management Phoenix Open? Plus 175. I don't know. I like that one, though. I'll go over. All right, on the show today, we got plenty of amazing guests. Let's get right into it. Sorry about that. I, I deleted my guest rundown when I put my prop bets in here. We're talking to Stone Loads, Patrick Wells, about the logistics of moving stones, building a marketplace for them, and why the uh, business of rocks rocks. How uh, the logistics band shipping goes to Hawaii and Alaska works. That's why I got this lay right here. That's Monica Thornton. It's just her birthday yesterday, so a little happy birthday to Monica. And 3PL's taking a hit in this economy. It's tough, right? We're seeing all these people getting laid off. All this talk. Well, how do you keep your company running, especially when you're cutting costs? One of those ways is outsourcing. We've got Valaru, a new company to me. i got to find out where that name came from. It's Nick Schrock plus Brazen Amazon driver robbery. Are you ever old enough to drive a truck? Are you ever too old to drive a truck? We just did that. Southwest FedEx near Miss Reenacted. That's a crazy video. I'll show it to you at the end. Uh, and an excavator saving a deer. So let's tip the band, and then we'll get into today's broadcast. Let's go. You think AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in the past decade, they've evolved to become a global transportation management leader, generating nearly $3 billion in annual revenue by providing supply chain solutions for Fortune 500 companies shipping between Asia, Europe, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they are still the experts when it comes to creating customized solutions to fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out your business can benefit from AIT's logistics pros at AIT worldwide.com but let's find out what's in the name it's valaroos and nick schrock he's the founder and ceo over there and i like the uh, the big logo he's got going on behind his desk what's up nick hey how's it going thanks for having me on what is what is valaroo the name come from it, it it had me curious yeah so we when we were deciding on a name what we really wanted to do was have something that meant to bring value Right. That's always what we're trying to do in every every aspect of what we have. So when you translate value into a number of different languages, it comes out as valor. Um, so valor, I, I don't think we'd ever win that Google search if you just there. So we just had a lot of iterations on startups. And actually, my wife came up with it. She said, hey, what is how, how do you like Valaroo? And I'm like, oh, it sounds really cool. So uh, went with it and kind of off to the races. Hey, I love that. I work with uh, I work with my wife on like all my designs here, like logos and stuff like that. Um, I was half expecting an Australian accent with with the Roo. Our own Rachel Premack right. had a theory. We get that quite a bit. <laughs> well, what is Valaroo for those who don't know? I like the name; it's really catchy. Yeah, so we provide outsourcing solutions for specifically to transportation and logistics. So what that really means is we build teams in the Philippines for transportation companies, carriers, and so on, uh, to take over kind of redundant, repetitive tasks, track and trace, carrier sales, operations, accounting, kind of you name it. Uh, we take those overs to allow local teams to become more strategic. 
using outsourcing to fill the gaps is not a new concept, but what makes you guys right. new and different from that? Yeah, and I, I would say, because um, even though we are transportation specific, that's unique in outsourcing, but like you said, there are a number of other people doing that as well. And I'd say one thing that really sets us apart is, number one, is just who we recruit, right? We're not looking for, on our end, low-cost kids fresh out of college that are ready to work really hungry. We're, we're trying to go up market. And for example, everyone we hire is coming in with some type of logistics experience. They've either worked for a carrier before, worked for a broker before. So we're not having to train them, hey, this is what a BOL is. This is what a POD is. We, we can focus our time on the, um, the actual specifics of the broker or the logistics company. And it just puts us way ahead of the game. And then also just what we do in training, I think, is pretty cool and pretty unique. Um, I'm sure, as, as you know, most of the time when you get your first job in logistics, you go, okay, what am I doing? They go, oh, sit with, sit with Jeff. Jeff will, Jeff will show you what to do. And you just learn by the osmosis of the company. Um, and while that's great, it's a great way to learn. It's not a great way to scale a company. So as we're onboarding in these roles, we'll actually record these training sessions. Our onboarding take, team takes them back in the evening and they write out a standard operating procedure, a how-to guide on all of these, um, everything the brokerage does or the carrier does. And then we put them into a virtual playbook. So that way there's it's an employee handbook essentially for the company. I remember uh, my first account when I when I walked in. I came from like the music industry. I had no idea what a, what a broker was. I just needed money at the time. I thought it'd be like a three month thing. They hand me this Reebok account that they just landed. Reebok Air Freight. No pressure. No pressure. Just massive billion dollar company right. on the hottest type right. of shipments. But it was a great way to learn. I mean, it was it was travel fire, and I did have that that by me. But a playbook would have helped. Although I will say FedEx had great training. But I saw like an incredible stat on LinkedIn this morning, and it was that two thirds of workers are looking for new jobs right now. Two-thirds of workers. Mm -hmm. Two out of three people in your house are, look, are looking for workers. Look, supply chain has always had issues with retention, from drivers to brokers to sales where you're cannon fodder. How are you helping with that, and how have you helped 3PLs through the great resignation and all, and, and all this movement that's been going on with labor? Right, and, and, and as you mentioned, it's, it's worse in our industry just because, and I think it's just because what we do is hard. Right. It's not just there's problems every day, the tr trucks breaking down, issues, weather, all these different things uh, lends for a very stressful work environment. So it's, it's always tough to retain talent, even even between different logistics companies. And I guess expanding on what I mentioned earlier is every when we're working, what we want to do is we want to be driving value. We want to have be having an impact on the company we're working for. And making 150 cold calls out to drivers to cover a load, uh, data entry, these kind of repetitive tasks, as much as we want to keep them onshore and in our office, people in the States don't want to do that work anymore. They want to do work that's really um, more strategic, they feel is driving more value. And at the end of the day, that work still needs to be getting done. So what we've found is with working with our clients, taking this over, they have actually internally better employee retention because those jobs become more strategic and more meaningful. But even expanding on this point, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know that outsourcing also, it's a tough job, right? A lot of people in outsourcing have tons of employee retention. So we've actually have 
you can never solve a problem. We've temporarily solved it. We always have to reiterate and, and be better going on, but we have stellar employee retention. And for us internally, number one is, I, th- I think all the employees will love to hear this, but not necessarily employers. You just have to pay more, right? You have to pay your employees well, pay them what they're worth, and then continually increase those raises as they perform. I think that's one thing we're very, very good at is just valuing our people. And then number two is just culture. Treat uh, our number one value as a company is people first. So just treating the people the right way, making decisions to value those people and um, giving them the tools they can to be successful in that role. I have a question for you about something I was curious about, and you, you'd probably know. It's, it's uh-huh. almost like BOGO, right? Like buy one, get one for hiring. What is two for one hiring? I, am I pegging that right? Or is that something completely different? Yeah, it, it's similar, right? We, uh, it's always that I'm sure that's where we came from, but it was really to solve like one hiring's heart, right? People, um, it's like you get these, you get a hundred resumes. Everybody does is putting on their best face in interviews. So, and it's just, Outsourcing's new and that's hard. So what we do for two for one is say, uh, you know, you have a truck brokerage and you want to hire me for, you need five carrier sales reps or track and trace reps. And you go, Nick, I need five people. What we actually do is we go out and hire 10, right? Uh, we interview probably, a, I mean, hundreds, right? And finalize with 10. We'll give you those extra five completely free for 60 days. And then at the end of the 60 days, you and I sit down and say, okay, who's doing the best? Who's covering the most freight? Who's the most profitable? Who's buying into the, the culture? And it just has made this extremely successful and lets, all, lets us get off to the races with um, a really successful partnership. So are you more niche, like totally in 3PL or freight brokerage, or, or do you uh, provide employment everywhere? So I'd say that's where we've, we started because I, I come from brokerage. This is an, initially how I got into space. I did this for a startup brokerage here in San Diego and then branched off and started doing it for others. Um, but the short answer is no, right? We do a ton of work for carriers in the dispatch accounting realm. We also do some actually on the shipper end, which was pretty surprising to me that they have the same, they've got their own supply chain struggles. And even though they have three PLs to support them, They've needed our help as well. And also freight forwarders. Just there's just so much paperwork there, right? So much kind of repetitive tasks, making everything sure everything's going the right way. So I'd say those are kind of our four buckets that we help in. Number one, brokerage, followed by carriers, freight forwarders, and shippers. You know what, by the way, before uh, I let you go, I saw your LinkedIn post. I didn't realize we were both at Manifest at the same time. And had I seen it, I would have taken you up on your Miss Pac-Man challenge. And then I would have taken you out in Street Fighter 2. That would be so funny. I actually, in regards to that, it was um, on your, I think it was a couple episodes ago where you guys were talking about Manifest. That airport was, I went to pick my brother up because we were able to drive into San Diego. And I was in that line for an hour and a half before I called him. I'm like, hey, you need to walk out to departures because I can't get in there to pick you up. So I just ended up going to a different part of the airport. And it was, it was absolutely brutal. I think like Uber and Lyft shut down for a full hour. So everything was backed up. Well, yeah, when I walked out, that's the first place I I went. In airports these days, it's always a little confusing where like the cab versus the thing. And and it was just like a sea of madness. And there was just thousands of people staying there waiting for Ubers. And mine wouldn't connect. And then I looked down. The taxi line was massive, too. But at least it was a line. 
And it, t- it but it yeah. still took two two and a half hours to get to the hotel, and then because everyone was backed up, it was like another hour to check in. Fortunately, like that first day of yeah. Manifest was kind of a a lighter day. I, I needed to uh, recover after that. Yeah, I think it was all talks the first day, which was pretty cool. It's like gave us us because we had a pretty big um, pretty big booth, the nice arcade that you mentioned. So it's normally you're kind of handcuffed there talking to people. So it was great to see a bunch of great speakers and uh, some good panels and get the information that the reason we all go in the first place to those. Well, Nick, speaking of information, before I let you go, where can people get more about Valeru? So, of course, um, Valeru.com. So V-A-L-O-R-O-O.com uh, is a great one. Feel free to request or honestly, shoot me a personal email. Right. We have sales staff, but always happy to hop on a call and talk to different people about opportunities. My direct email is Nick, N-I-C-K, at Valeroo.com. Happy to cool. hear from anybody. And uh, Chiefs or Eagles? Oh, I'm, I'm originally from St. Louis, and mm-hmm. since the Rams burned us, I've got to go Chiefs. Got to go Sh- Chiefs. Should I take the Mahomes prop at 1.5, over 1.5 touchdowns? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Seems like I a no-brainer. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, hey, Nick, have a Where great weekend. I, I, I think I'm going to make that bet. It's right. It, go <laughs> I'll, on. I'll talk to you offline about gambling. But we yeah, well, it's, well, it's like legal everywhere now. It's, it's fine. We were just in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take, take it easy, man. Be, be, uh, have a, enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll connect soon. And uh, I'll take you up in that Ms. Pac-Man offer one of these days. Awesome. Sounds good. Great talking to you. Take care. Hey, meanwhile. Now, I don't know if you've encountered this, but any shop you go in, you've got people cutting tape for the talk. <laughs> Patrick, come on up, too. we got Patrick Wells here. I don't know if he's ever seen this on the Stone site, but you got this guy here. Any store he goes into, you just got everybody, uh, everybody memeing for the TikTok. <laughs> Have you, like, when these go online, you see people, like, freak out whenever someone posts, like, dancing in a grocery store. But I don't, I, I don't think I've ever seen this in public. You get it? I don't know how big of an issue it is. Our TV team, they're always getting busy like this. They're good moves, though. We got Patrick, we got Patrick Wells with us, by the way. He's the CEO over at Stone Loads. Yeah. And you also have like, a, like the retail construction arm of it, too, right? Yeah, we also, yeah, we also own a company called Majestic Stone. That's uh, We own quarries and fabrication facility uh, in Dayton, just about an hour north of here in Chattanooga. You, are, you a, uh, are you a Chattanooga native? I'm not. I'm from Birmingham. Interesting. My, my wife's from here in Chattanooga, so it um, it was once we started having kids. That, you know, Chattanooga is a great place to raise a family, and it was an obvious choice for us. I was going to say is is like because we call this Freight Alley because of all the freight. I was yeah. wondering if it it's it's like Rock Alley also or Happy Wife Happy Life Alley. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, uh, both. I, I, both. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely. Um, I mean, such a large percentage of the stone that gets sold in the southeast comes from yeah. right here in Tennessee. So it was a you know, perfect place. And you have the freight. And I mean, we're just Chattanooga's two hours from I mean, Birmingham, Huntsville, Atlanta, Nashville. It just it's, it's a great place to have a have a company sell rock. Now, you mentioned that you have a stone quarry in Dayton. Is mm-hmm. that where all of the rocks come from that you guys use? Yeah, so everything that, that we quarry, um, that we produce from a Majestic Stone standpoint, yeah, it comes from um, there in Dayton, but there are also, with quarries in Crossville, a lot of uh, stone comes from Crossville and also down in, in Dunlap as well. So really within about an hour of um, Crossville, Chattanooga, Dayton, everything comes from right in there. 
Now they get some pictures of here on some of like the majestic stone work. And we were talking yeah. about like the background. You've done a bunch of stuff in Chattanooga, haven't you? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. right there. That's Chattanooga. Yep. That's Miller Park. Just not from not just right on the road from here. Um, those big old slabs and um, yeah, we've done Erlinger. Yep. I said Erlinger Children's Hospitals, kind of a unknown secret of uh, Chattanooga, and there's a memorial that we did. Um, yeah, we've done a lot of work around Chattanooga, but um, but Stone travels well. Yeah. And we also have distributors as far as California, so we ship rock right here from Chattanooga, Tennessee, all the way to California, pretty much every week. But you don't have to import any of this stuff. This is nope. all just dug right. Out. What is that process like? It sounds like a, it sounds heavy. It sounds metal. Very, it sounds very. rocky. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, so everything's. It depends on where your quarry is, but you're talking about you know moving trees, moving a lot of dirt, um, excavators, off-road trucks, dozers to to get to it. Um, it's definitely a process. Uh, so once we get down to the quarry, then that's just the first step of actually getting it out of the ground, and then you have to process it and cut it and saw it um, to specific lengths and sizes for jobs. So because it, it's always fascinating to me and, and I look at like the work that's done here and I love things that are right in front of us in logistics right yeah, but people yeah. don't think about it unless they touch stone it's like these things are massive how do they get there and you don't yeah. care you're just like I want you know a rock garden in my backyard yeah I want uh, a query and we're gonna get into the marketplace and we're gonna get into all that but there's a quote you put and I'm curious how you think because you said the majority of my life can be summed up through the lens of sports yeah how does that translate to what you do now yeah um, it's so a couple different things. So, I mean, a challenge. You definitely, um, I'm competitive by nature, and want to have a challenge. But they're also like the the teamwork aspect. Like I don't, I don't like doing things, you know, on my own. I love having a team. And in like the business world, it's all about building a good team and having good people around you. And, I mean, we're talking about the Super Bowl coming up. Yeah. These, are the, these are the best players, and it's not just one person. It's a full team. And um, so growing up competing in sports and, and you know, even competing in, you know, collegiately, just always being around uh, just athletics, is just, it just drives you and it makes you want to continue to grow and continue to build. And um, so, yeah, sports has always meant a bunch to me. Well, I mean, logistics, you, you need a big team. You have this query site this digging yeah, site right yeah. you've got this sales arm with the majestic stone and the and the planning arm and then you've got this marketplace side of it do you also have a fleet like who do you use for trucking yeah so um when so stone loads our our new online marketplace was really birthed from majestic stone from just experience that we had um they're majestic and what we found was it, it it's difficult for quarries to connect with um, with stone yards all across the country. So similar on the freight side, how fragmented the industry is, our, our, our dealer network in, this, in the stone industry is extremely fragmented as well. And so we found an opportunity to, um, to really connect these. And how do we do it? Well, create an online marketplace. Um, and so that's what we've been working with with stone loads. Um, and with stone loads, we spent a lot of time trying to find the right freight partner because we have quarries all across the country uh, posting full truckloads of material online, just trying to make it easier to buy and sell natural stone. And because we have a national footprint, the trucks at Majestic Stone here in Tennessee aren't going to help our, our quarries in Idaho or yeah. Montana or Arizona. Uh, so it was important to have a national um, trucking partner. Uh, and we searched for a while and we found LoadSmart um, out of Chicago to, to, to really have the right platform uh, 
to, to build into an online marketplace that just makes it super simple for anybody that's buying. They go, on up, they go online, they can check, put their destination where they're going, and within minute, well, sorry, within seconds, they're hit with an instant flatbed quote. And that's, that's the kind of connectivity that, that we needed. I, I love this story because so many times I have guests on here and the reason they started their, their 3PL or their freight tech or their marketplace is they were in a parallel business. Yeah. And they go, there's yeah. nobody actually serving this. I understand a little bit of logistics and I don't understand where the impasse is between the two. Now, you mentioned stone loads, which is the marketplace side. We have a little video here. Can you kind of tell me what we're, we're looking at? Yeah. So you go, you just quarry stone loads. You get right on the site. Yeah, that's right. So... So what we're seeing here is the actual online marketplace, um, and hopefully it, it looks familiar and, um, and feels natural as you're searching it, very similar to what you would get from an Amazon or an eBay. Or, um, and, and, and so what you're looking at is like that stone right there is from Colorado. And what quarries are doing and, and what we're helping quarries do is connect them to distributors, connect them to stone yards, which are all across the country. Um, and we're just trying to make it easier. And so what a quarry would do is as, as they get um, material available, they snap a couple pictures of it. They put the pertinent information online and then a distributor uh, where the old way of doing it is they would have to pick up the phone and make phone calls and call around and, and ask, what do you have? Yeah. You know, what, what, what does your inventory look like? What material do you have? I, I mean, I'm trying to stock my yard and, and I'm just looking for material. Well, I mean, it, all those phone calls, you know, can you even get a hold of the quarry that day? Uh, because, it, you know, it, we're not in the most sophisticated industry. There are a lot of very good quarries out there that are, um, that have great teams and, and, um, and plenty of people answering the phones, but oftentimes it's hard to get to a lot of these you know, very remote quarries. And so um, what we're trying to do is not just make it easier um, to buy it, but also to sell it. So connecting these quarries and, and, and getting them from, so no longer faxing um, yeah. orders or faxing inventory lists and, and actually just making it more transparent and making it more available. So um, it, it's really helping both sides. It's interesting because at, at, at uh, Manifest, this conference I was at, I was just talking to this, this company, Pallet Trader, okay. over there. Yeah, yeah, and they were yeah, a similar thing. Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were like, we use pallets all the time, yeah. and it's so hard just to get, like, it shouldn't be this hard to get a pallet. Like, there should just be some place you can go if you need pallets and get them. And, you know, I don't know enough about stones, so I need you to help me out here. What is, like, the variance in pricing of, of stones? I mean, uh, all stones are kind of a little different, right? Yeah, so um, price... There's a lot of different factors into yeah. it. So um, where Texas material, um, it, it costs a whole lot less to quarry their material or, or to get it out of the ground. Is it softer? And, is that why? Um, it's, it, it is a little softer, but there's not as much what we call overburden. Like here in Tennessee, we're dealing with mountains. Yeah. And so um, it, 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 there's so much dirt, just the elevation at which our stone is. Uh, it, it requires a lot more cost going into actually the extraction of the material. Whereas Texas, you go out there and it's super flat, right? And so the stone is within just a couple feet of being under the ground where we're looking at 30, 40 feet under the ground. So just the sheer cost of getting it. Uh, and then some material, uh, it, it, you have more blade expense. You, it, it's, just, it's just more difficult to fabricate. And so um, across the country, you have different prices for stone, uh, but... And um, as far as Texas or, or Idaho, what the site, the value of a site is also makes it very transparent. So yeah. you're equipping 
the people actually buying it with all of the available information right there at their fingertips and really at their own time as well. If it's, I mean, what's been really neat is we're selling you know, loads of full loads of stone on Saturdays and Sundays and holidays. And that's the beauty of an online marketplace is you're really equipping the buyers on their own time and their own way to have more information in the buying decisions. Nice. And did they, they, they must have, did they arrange the, fl- the freight themselves after going through the marketplace? Yeah. So there's, there's two options. Yes. Yeah, so it's an extremely established industry as far as that you know, these these quarries were buying stone before stone loads, and so some, many of them have their own freight partners. Um, but they can also book freight right through the platform. And I mean, talking about making it easy, yeah. not having to wait on a, a phone call to a broker or not having to email back and forth different rates. Um, they can just select to request a quote right there in the platform, and it spits out a, uh, a quote to them. They can agree to it, and um, so they're actually booking the freight right all the way through the platform as well on a flatbed truck. So um, everything is, is within just a couple of clicks. That's great for newer companies just starting to who sort of need that handholding. They don't really yeah. understand freight and broker relationships. They are very different than stone purveyor relationships. Yeah. It's, it's its own animal. What do you have to consider with that freight? Because you're talking about you're talking about really heavy stones. You're talking about mostly flatbedding, right? Yeah, that's right. All flatbed right now. Um, and everything's palletized, so we're not doing anything bulk. Um, but what you were talking about was having the right uh, relationship with uh, your freight brokers sometimes, and not through stone loads, but sometimes in the stone industry, we need uh, really large boulders moved. Like for example, there was a, um, a quarry in just outside of Arizona that needed a 300-ton boulder moved to L.A., and it was amazing. I'll have to send you the link on it to talk. They, you know, custom built this trailer with had over like a hundred different t- hundred tires on it. Yeah. Um, to move it. And um, and you're right. Talking about needing a good freight broker for those for those scenarios. It's so important to have. Um, but through stone loads, we're just talking about flatbed palletized material, you know, 24 tons max type type of work. What what kind of stone are people buying? And is most of this driven by by home sales, like home buyers? Like I like because we, I was looking for a home with my yeah. wife about two years ago, and I looked for a home about a decade ago. And then builders all copy each other, and they do the same exact thing with yeah. with how they build, even down to like the color of the granite countertops. Sure. For between ten years, how much does that drive what you do? Yeah, yeah, a lot is of it. Does. And, and yeah, so I mean, you know, designers, architects have different styles and looks they're going for. Um, the good thing for us is that, I mean, the stone is whatever God gives us, right? Yeah. So the colors, the, the textures. Um, so thankfully, uh, the stone we use will continue to be used, uh, but, it, but it does change some with some design. Uh, but our main customers are the, the landscape yards that have the inventory that, um, that are stocking material on their yard. And then like as homeowners, we would go to their stone yards and we would select, we want those, you know, that color or those boulders. And so for us as, as, as producers, we're not selling to the direct, to, to the homeowner. But so that does make it a little bit easier for us to be just going straight through, you know, distribution partners that are inventorying on their yard. So they have the huge selection of colors and, um, and different product to sell to homeowners. What is your, uh, what is your most popular kind of stone? So in... At Majestic, we do we have sandstone and we have grays and browns sandstone. But um, right now, Texas material, your lighter colors, your whites, your creams are very popular. Grays 
right now all across the country. Um, through Stoneloads, actually, a, uh, a distribution yard in Florida that had never seen Idaho Quartzsite before um, bought, bought a load off, off our side, used the freight and everything. Um, and what that did was that opened him up to a new vendor, new product that he had never seen. He would never have brought um, into his yard, but now he's exposed to a gray color that's very popular right now um, out of Idaho. And so um, definitely grays are very, very, very popular. Now, like granite, for example, is that mm-hmm. is that its own type of query? Do you guys do granite, or do some of these stones? There's multiple types of stones within yeah. a query. Yeah, yeah. So you have you have granite quarries, you have marble quarries, you have limestone quarries, and um, sandstone, and um, even shale at different parts of the country uh, that that are moving. You have, ten, uh, you have Pennsylvania bluestone, which is very popular, which is another sandstone. Uh, and so stone is very regional. So here in Texas, it, I'm sorry, here in uh, Tennessee, it's primarily uh, sandstone and limestone. But just south of Knoxville, you do get marble. And here throughout Chattanooga, I can show you several buildings around here that have a Tennessee marble on them. Um, you also have uh, yeah, your, your granites um, that are kind of in the Carolinas and also up in um, down in Georgia. And so it's pretty spread out. But, um, yeah, they're, they're typically, if you've got a granite quarry, you're not producing sandstone, you're producing granite, and, and so it's kind of spread out throughout the country. Interesting. You know, so I, um, I had some relatives out recently, so we did, like, the touristy stuff around here. We went over to, to Ruby Falls, yeah. and you've been there, right? Sure. And when you go, they give you, they show you the video about, like, the, the guy who he built, the, he built Ruby Falls for the wife, and he loved her so much, but he also spent, like, 24, 26 hours a day, like, building and getting black lung within that. Um, yeah. Have you ever done any projects like that? Have you ever had to, like, bore in, like, make a, a bunker for someone yeah. or, or make some underground stuff? We've not, but that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but one of the coolest like jobs that you're starting to see more of is talking about like architects and designers really pushing the process is when a um, a designer or architect really wants to portray like what the stone looked like in the quarry, and they'll come and they'll say, "I want you to just cut out this huge section of exactly how it looks in the quarry and transport that to a job." Um, and like carpet swaths or, or paint yeah, swatches. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and it's hard to even fathom without like being there and seeing it, but you're seeing this, this push towards very natural look. Um, and even up on like here in Chattanooga, they're building a resort off the back of lookout called Macklemore. And it's so important for, for them to look natural and look like the stone had been there forever, even on these new builds. Um, so, we're not building bunkers, but they definitely, uh, people want a very natural feel as, as, you know, when they're buying natural stones. That was interesting. You got any other stone facts in you? Uh, I'm curious about the equipment. So uh, yeah. going back to, going back to, because you're like, wait, I could, that's so much. Know, that is so I broad. Which I could story? say anything. Yeah. No, so like, I was say that Ruby Falls thing. So this guy, what he did with a shovel back then? Like, how much does oh, the equipment change while you're doing this? The... The quarry extraction material has come a long way. What's really interesting is when you start looking at who has quarried the longest, and if you really want to learn stuff about quarrying, you start looking at Italy. You start looking overseas, and those yeah, those countries have been quarrying for hundreds and hundreds and like you know, five, six, seven hundred years, where we've just been quarrying over here for the last couple hundred years. Yes. 
And so their technology, their extract, their quarries are so well established, the saws, the diamond blades they're using, how they're, build, they're building out mass producing quarries um, and these blocks, it's, it's fascinating. For us, it's pretty simple. It's mostly excavators, dozers, you know, articulating dump trucks, forklifts, uh, front end loaders, uh, big heavy duty forklifts, uh, and then saws to, to saw it straight out of the quarry and then um, saw it to size and, and uh, make it look simple, but it's a, it's, a, it's a tough process. Now, does Majestic ever do backyards? Mm-hmm. Wow, so yep, yep. we have a, we live in the North Shore and <laughs> everything on there is on a hill, so we don't have yeah. like a huge backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been thinking about what to do with there and it's a lot of grass, we have two dogs, so they just like sort of crap everywhere. Yeah, of course. So our thought is like make a strip of grass, maybe put down some stone, maybe put down some stone bench. Yeah. Kind of thing. Can I One, reach out to you guys about that? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. We do a lot of outdoor stuff, patios, um, landscape edging, exactly what you're talking about. Cool. For sure. I'll ask you about that off air. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> Perfect, that. Yeah. Well, anything else people should know about working with Stone Loads or Majestic before I, I let you get off towards the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, check us out. Stoneloads.com. Um, it's, the, it's the best way to check us out and, and get in contact with us. We love connecting people and on the freight side as well, we, we, we'd, love to, we'd love to connect. So, yeah, stoneloads.com, best way to get a hold of us. And we need the predictions. You got Chiefs or Philly? My heart says Philly. Philly? Because of Jalen Hurts and that whole story with him. My mind says Chiefs, <laughs> though. Chief. It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. What about – all right. Well, how about you go Philly, but you take the prop bet of Ooh. Mahomes' 1.5 touchdowns? Definitely over. over. Oh, yeah, yeah, over yeah, on yeah. that. Yeah, over, okay. but the Eagles win. But the how Eagles about that? win. Yeah, we're both on that, so fruit for us. I appreciate right. you coming by today. Yeah, thank you. It's Thanks really cool. so much. And I'll, I'll talk to you about that backyard. My, my wife is probably watching us, smiling right now. She's like, thank God. Yes. We need to do something about that. Appreciate That's it. Right. Yeah. Take care. All right, China, India, Vietnam, Belgium, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, and Mexico. AIT Logistics has 2,000 supply chain experts in these countries and of course, in offices around the United States. And in 2023, they're adding more locations around the world as the organization continues to expand and make it easier than ever uh, for, for the world as the organization continues to expand to make it easier than ever for customers to ship between Asia, Europe, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business, as unique as my next guest, you can learn more at AITWorldwide.com. But now it's time to see a little happy birthday. Happy birthday, Monica. I'm not going to get into the whole song, but look, we even got confetti for you. I heard it was your birthday yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's the easiest thing to get congratulated for because all you do is got to do is like stay alive, right? That's true. Oh, by the way, by the way, I'm not, I, I had this here to remind myself. Why would I be wearing a lay right now? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because we're going to talk about Hawaii. We are going to talk about Hawaii. You, you know, you were telling me online that far too many people think that you can take a truck from California to Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> I, I have been asked and told that freight will stay on a truck all the way to Hawaii or, you know, I can't give them a quote. Um, there's no bridge yet. <laughs> well, tell me about that. What does Seawide Express do? You guys handle that sort of freight that nobody thinks about until they have to get it over there, which is Hawaii, Alaska, and Guam. You're right. You know, lots of people get, get RFPs and they see all these freight lanes within the lower 48 states and, you know, they, they start plugging their numbers in. But when Hawaii, Guam, Alaska are listed there, 
uh, most people skip it. They, they don't know who to call. So um, Seawide has a specialty niche in the domestic freight market. We operate CFS terminals on the West Coast where we receive in LTL freight. We consolidate it to ocean containers, and then we ship them offshore and deliver to the final destination. Interesting. How, um, how do you do that? Because I, I'm now the Jones Act is popping in my head, and I don't want to trigger people. I know that uh, in maritime, and probably especially in your space, this could be a hot-button topic, but how does, how does what you do play in with, like, the Jones Act, for example? So, Seawide is Jones Act compliant. Um, and like you said, the Jones Act can bring some sore feelings to people sometimes, a little bit of negative connotivity. Um, I try to try to stay out of that when it comes to talking freight. Um, it, it definitely has its, its plus and pluses and minuses for folks, um, both onshore and offshore. I would highly encourage people to do a little bit of research into what the Jones Act actually is um, and why it exists. But there are, there are certain providers that do require you to be Jones Act compliant when you ship to Hawaii, Guam, and Alaska, um, particularly the government, of course. So <laughs> CWIDE is Jones Act compliant. So what, what does that mean for shippers, though? People who are not familiar with, like, the Jones Act or why it's important to be Jones Act compliant or how even the Jones Act can make it difficult to get something from the U.S. to Hawaii, Alaska, and, and Guam because of, of the nature of the rule. So, you know, the, it, in a brief summary, the Jones Act it, it was put there to protect U.S. states and territories in times of war. Um, you know, the, they, they would get the added benefit of U.S. protection in terms of, of the military, naval ships, things like that, um, not be cut off from the supply chain, um, you know, in, in those types of instances. Um, it, it can make it difficult. Not all, not all vessels and ships are Jones Act compliant. So being compliant means that you have a, a certain amount of steel in your vessel that is actually American made, um, that your, that your crew is, is American. So it, it can, it can cause a little bit of difficulty, um, in terms of not all the vessels and barges are compliant to that. So you cannot necessarily move freight on any particular provider. Um, and as we know, that can in turn change the rates that you're paying. Um, so it, it does, it does disrupt it a little bit. It's like trying to slip a uh, can of Coke past the TSA. You know, they're, they, there's just rules sometimes. <laughs> <They'll tell> you, <laughs> not you that even, you and I don't have experience with that thing. or anything. <laughs> So what, yeah, never, never leave coke in your bag. What's good in your world? What are you, what are you seeing in this? And um, like, what are volumes like? How, how are those tracking towards Alaska and Hawaii? People shipping a lot of goods over there? Has it slowed down with the economy or are they both kind of hand in hand? So between the economy and, you know, I hate to say COVID, but um, these markets are really unique. They don't manufacture a lot. Um, so most goods are brought in from either the mainland or overseas. Uh, they are reliant on most of most of the general living goods, you know, foods, disposables, um, things that we take for granted here on the mainland that are that are so 
easily easy to come by. Um, the majority of goods are brought in. Um, there's there's not a whole lot that necessarily is coming back out um, aside from dunnage and a small amount of of manufactured goods or um, you know returns. Each market is definitely different. Hawaii is a is a very tourist based economy, um, and that reflects in in the supply chain market and in shipping. There's a, there's a lot of retail goods that go over hospitality goods, um, in addition to general living goods. Alaska is a little bit different that they do have a, a high volume of tourism, but there's a lot of machinery and mining. Um, and in materials like that, that, that go to Alaska. So the goods are definitely different, but the volumes haven't changed. The volumes, if anything, have, have increased over the past, you know, two, three plus years. Um, business continues, you know, there's, there's not as many people in these locations, but, but the needs remain the same. And, through COVID and the economy, they, they press on in all these points and, and remain active and, and business is, you know, is booming as far as we can see. Now, so Hawaii, multiple islands, right? Do, do your ships make multiple port calls or do you just go to the main island and then feeder vessels bring everything? How does that work? Because you mentioned it. I mean, cost of living in Hawaii and Alaska can get really expensive because you have to basically import everything in and, and move it around. Right. So in in Hawaii, generally speaking, freight is brought into five main points. Um, There are a number of of smaller islands um, out there. They are they are not inhabited the way that, you know, Oahu, Maui, Kauai um, and and Hawaii are. So those are those are the main points. Um, We do bring freight to all of those islands. We deliver to the majority of points. Um, there are remote places in Hawaii um, when it comes to freight. And so generally people that live in the more remote areas may have to pick up from the, the port to get their goods. But we do have freight services going to all of the, the main points of Hawaii. Very, very cool. So what's more challenging to service? Is it Alaska or is it Hawaii or is it Guam? Oh, um, there's not a lot that goes to Guam, you know, that's, yeah. that's mostly a military installation. So, um, I wouldn't say that any of them are necessarily hard. Alaska definitely has a lot more points that are remote. So when, when people talk about trucking, Alaska does come into play. People, people want to get a rate by truck. They, they think you can just, you know, head north and, and send a truck up to Alaska, but not all points are serviceable by road in Alaska. So even, even getting freight up into the, the main points of Anchorage or Fairbanks or down into the southeast, you often have to then put freight onto other barges or onto air service to get it to its final destination. Very cool. Well, hey, also, I, when I was um, looking on your page, I noticed something, and that's you, you have a hidden talent. You're a little bit of an artist, are you not? Do you, have you not been designing <laughs> these things for, for years over here? Tell me about that really quickly. Maybe we can uh, get some people to go check that out, too. Wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that, but yeah, you know, we, we talk about it a lot. Um, you know, on LinkedIn, I think in the logistics world, a lot of us have a side hustle. So, um, I, I am an artist. I've been designing hex signs for probably close to 20 years. 
What's um, a, hold on? What's a hex sign? I, what's what is what is that? It's it's a, an Amish um, Dutch tradition. So I, I came from Ohio before I moved down here to Atlanta. They are um, typically you see them at the peak of a barn. Um, you can you can see them in pretty much most of the eastern half of the United States, but they're they're geometric designs that are. Um, designed to bring good fortune. So the shapes and the colors have different meanings. And um, I typically design them as, as a gift type I- idea that you can give someone for a wedding or, you know, teachers or for Christmas. And they're just they're just meant to bring you good luck. Well, the Amish What the Truck listeners will be delighted to know that their hex designs are being uh, well, well represented. Now, before I let you go, where do people go to learn more about Seawide and also to learn more about your designs? Okay. Well, to learn more about my artwork, you can go to hexsigndesign.com and you can see um, reproductions and original artwork there. Getting back to our, our topic of Seawide Express, you can go to our website at seawideexpress.com. There is um, information about us there as well as a link to contact us. Um, you can also check us out on, on LinkedIn um, and you can certainly check me out on LinkedIn as well if you have questions about our services. Excellent. You know what I'd love to do one time is, is like track a shipment, get like a, a video camera or something, track a shipment from you know, California over to Hawaii, and we can edit together and show people some of that process too. I think that's what we should do next time. But for now, it's almost time for the weekend. There's one last question. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Is it Philly or is it Kansas City? I'm going to go with Kansas City. I have a soft spot for the Chiefs. Okay. All right. I think that's, well, no, one of two of us picked Philly. All right. Well, hey, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll catch up later on that other topic. Sounds good. Take care. Appreciate you. All right. It's Friday, so it's time for a little good news, bad news before we send you home. the bad news and good news. Okay. Jeez, this video is disturbing. Bad news, you're out on a run for Amazon delivering packages when this happens. Take a look at this film from the, uh, nope, that's not disturbing. It's the video of the Amazon driver being um, held up at gunpoint, guys. Get that? Talk to me, Goose. Okay, WBAZ reports, according to investigators, the, the, this driver here that we're just about to show you, he was parked in the right here. He was uh, parked in an apartment complex and he was delivering packages on January 13th when the, these men were waiting for him. These two guys right here. One of the suspects in the video, you see it right there. He's got the gun to the guy's neck. He doesn't know what to do with his cell phone. He's totally freaking out. And then another one of his accomplices steps right in the truck. They bring this guy into the back. The sheriff's office said the driver, fortunately, he was not hurt during this robbery. He might have some PTSD though, um, but they've arrested. That's the good news. They've arrested these two men. Authorities took into custody 22-year-old Archimedes Divinard and 23-year-old Joel Amy. They're facing charges including robbery with a firearm. But here's the really frustrating part about all of this. It says the sheriff's office said the two suspects have a long criminal record totaling 85 felony charges and 11 convictions. What are we doing? What are we doing? Let's keep our driver safe out here. It starts with you. We're there in the court. Wild. All right, here's a little better news. You're a deer, and you've gotten trapped in a mud hole. Look at this guy right here. Got this crew on the scene with an excavator. Love to see it. I don't think you can even see the deer right there. I'm not sure who called this out exactly. Okay, just set it down and let her walk out. 
Oh, here we go. And look at that, a little dirty, but you're gonna see this. Uh, See it. Run. You know, Bambi's a little dirty, Run. but I, th I think he's going to make it. Got another one for you. Speaking of disturbing videos, this is uh, this show this right here. This is not real life. This is a reenactment. It's actually, by the way, the graphics in Microsoft Flight Simulator are, are incredible, but I'll let you listen to this. Tower this Southwest 708. We're short of 18 left. So we're ready. Southwest 708 off the tire, runway 18 left, RVI 1200, midpoint 600, roll out 1600. Flight heading 170, runway 18 left, clip takeoff, traffic 3 mile final is a heavy 767. Okay, 170, clip for takeoff, 18 left, copy the traffic, Southwest 708. This is the real audio. Tower confirm, uh, FedEx 1432, heavy, clear to land, 18 left. FedEx 1432 Heavy, that is a firm, sir. When they left, you are to the land traffic department. Roger, route to 737. Roger. Southwest Hills are confirmed on the road. Rolling now. Southwest aboard. Nope. Southwest aboard. FedEx is on the go. They're speeding up. Southwest Hills are eight. Roger, you can turn right when able. Aviation Pros reports the Federal Aviation Administration said Saturday that an air traffic controller had cleared that incoming FedEx plane to land on the runway and then shortly then gave Southwest Airlines permission to take off on the same exact runway. Um, fortunately, that FedEx jet, as you can see, it aborted that takeoff and managed to in time. There was no collision there. But scary, uh, scary incident. And here, here's an issue, too. The NTSB, they said they were unable to retrieve the cockpit voice recorders from either aircraft as both had been recorded over. Can you believe it? All right, good news. You're on a nice, relaxing vacation, and you even get to experience the local wildlife. Bad news. The wildlife might want your deck chair. For the emperor, <laughs> the emperor seal. I guess that would be an emperor penguin. Close enough. Hey, anyways, we're out of time on today's show. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That is D O N E R. Subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts by looking up What the Truck or get every single Freightways podcast all on one convenient feed by looking up Freightcast. And if you want to watch this show in stunning HD, download the Freightways TV app or subscribe to us on YouTube. Hey, enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great weekend. Take care and don't be a stranger.